things like considering whether we want to go down a squads or a tribes approach. Um, but clearly one of the things that comes with that is you've got to take into account the extra orchestration between teams. You can't just simply end up with a sort of scaled set of, uh, of squads and tribes and assume that everyone's going to play nicely and, and there's going to be no, no extra effort. Today's guest is Chris Gethin, CTO of Traillight. We're talking all about how that organisation is having to adapt as they scale. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, today joined by Akish, where we bring you interviews with leaders across the industry, and today some technology news and an excuse to turn off your camera during a Zoom call. Akish, how was your Easter? Hello. Um, yeah, it was good. It was good, thanks. Yeah, a mm-hmm. lot of Easter eggs. Um, cakes, sweet stuff, yeah. Barbecue, barbecue in the cold. Um, with yeah, our umbrella. Okay, so hang on. Sunday was a good day for a barbecue. Yeah, Monday wasn't. No, Monday no. was sleeting. Well, yeah, we did it on Monday where it was Ooh. like umbrellas over the barbecue. And uh, yeah, that's what happens when you're only allowed to meet in gardens and <laughs> it's, it's already been pre planned before the blooming weekend, right? So. Well, mate, mate I, I had a very exciting time. I went in someone else's house and I'm pretty sure I didn't break rules. Really? Left the door open? No, so um, my sister uh, had an elective cesarean booked in for the 9th, so Friday coming up. And unexpectedly her waters broke on Easter Monday. So I got a panicked call at seven o'clock going, um, because she had to go obviously into hospital for the C-section. Her husband, Chris, had to take her but yeah. had to wait the crazy thing like until she was going in for the c-section he had to just wait in the car in the car park but they have um a two and a half year old my nephew who they yeah. were like what do we do with him yeah, so, yeah. Um, i got the call could you come and look after tom for the day so i was in their house which is oh, weird brilliant. i also it's going to turn out to be very expensive because they they've got a really nice coffee machine and i was like nah kettle i'm fine now i'm like Mm, actually actually a coffee machine would be quite nice <laughs> <laughs> just to have some energy to chase after him he's down in down in the coffee uh, so um my wife got a picture of the two of us asleep on the sofa me and my nephew surrounded by um soft toy monkeys uh from where we just knackered him out in the morning running around throwing balls just being like <laughs> make sure he's as tired as possible quite did, did you take him an easter egg anyway Yes. Yeah. Good. 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 Yes, good. and and oh. an Easter bunny. Oh, very good. No uh, Easter egg hunts or anything like that. No. Uh, very short one. Yeah. Um, he asked whether or not we could have an Easter egg hunt, so I put some mini eggs in the garden quickly. <laughs> yeah, standard. I think that's what everyone did. <laughs> that is literally what everyone did. Uh, but mate, going in someone else's house. I'm pretty sure that's allowed given those circumstances. Yeah, it was, extenuated circumstances. Mate. Yeah, it was yeah. like well, it's kind of a, a, a very ad hoc childcare bubble. Um, mm. mate, it was it was it was weird. Nice. Yeah, but, yeah, for, yeah, but nice. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. It's interesting. Anyway. <laughs> that was Easter. Uh, looking ahead, we've got Chris Gethin, the CTO of Traillight, as today's guest. We'll hand over to the interview. We'll be back with some commentary and then a little bit of tech news. So today I'm talking to Chris Gethin. Chris, you're the CTO at Traillight. How are you this morning? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. You've just just mentioned that you've got a six-week-year-old. So six-week-year-old, you know what I mean? Uh, a newborn, anyway. Um, so probably feeling a little bit tired. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, I think that's an understatement, to be honest. But uh, yeah, you, you, you've got a soldier on, haven't you? <laughs> Just out of interest. Um, you know, we're all working from home at the minute. I suppose normally in this circumstance, you might kind of have a little bit of relief from the office, but you've probably got the whole, you're in the home all the time, so it might be quite difficult to escape the new parent duties as as wonderful as they are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my wife thinks it's absolutely amazing, to be honest. She's got an extra <laughs> pair of hands sort of on, on call. But yeah, for me, it's uh, it's not so good. So uh, she, she's under strict orders at the minute not to uh, not to come in and interrupt while we're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> so look, first of all, who are Trailite? Yeah, so Trailite, we're a, we're a reg tech company. We're based in York, but we've got um, sales and account management operating sort of from London all across the UK. Uh, we deliver SaaS solutions to enable our customers to meet the specific challenges associated with individual accountability regimes such as SMCR um, and also to manage all elements of staff performance, competence and associated risk. So we've got we've got customers across multiple financial services sectors, including banking, insurers, asset and investment management and trading. Um, and essentially, we're now just preparing to expand into the global market. So going through a period of high growth and basically we're looking for 50% growth on a technical side as well as expanding other areas of the business. So should be a really exciting time for us, to be honest, if not yeah, a, a bit stressful at the same time. How long have you been CTO? I've been CTO for God, about three three years now. And mm-hmm. um, Did you kind of grow up internally in the organization or come in as CTO? No, so I've, uh, I've I've gone through various roles, to be honest, while, uh, while I've been at the business. So I started off at a, at a senior developer, um, worked my way up through to development manager, and then and then finally, here I am as CTO. So uh, yeah, it's been quite a journey, to be honest, but I, I think it's really good to be able to grow with a business, and, and certainly I do ad- advocate that. I, I always like being able to take people on and really sort of give them career progression rather than needing to sort of bring people in who've already been there, done that, because I, I think there's a lot to be said for for a two-way sort of uh, sort of mutual benefit with, uh, with 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 positions in in the business. How challenging is it at the minute to scale up from from small technical teams? Because you talked there that it's a really exciting, also perhaps quite challenging time, but an exciting opportunity nonetheless. Uh, you're across multiple locations, but expanding internationally. But you're probably shoehorned into into a way of doing it that you wouldn't have necessarily imagined eighteen months ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, that getting that balance really between being able to scale sort of at speed, but scaling without taking on too much risk. That really is a challenge that we're going through now. Uh, I would say it's it's easy as a small as a small business to focus primarily on development and test. Um, and then you can move relatively quickly because you're working with greenfield products. You've got a small number of customers. Um, you can make minor process tweaks as your customer base starts to grow, as your systems start to get bigger. Um, and then, obviously, then you're sort of dealing with you've got to cater for customer feedback while balancing tactical enhancements and strategic capability as well. Um, and then you get to you get to a point, I'd say, where sort of organic growth without structuring. Um, you hit terminal velocity or even worse, you start to slow down. Um, and that's basically where where we reached um, relatively recently. So what we've found then is the next level of scaling, you've got to think about so much more than, than what we've previously had to think about. So things like considering whether we want to go down a squads or a tribes approach, because clearly 
Um, it's a tried and tested approach. It works for some really big names in the industry. It's, it's something that, that personally I've, I'm, I'm quite keen on, done quite a bit of research. Um, but clearly one of the things that comes with that is you've got to take into account the extra orchestration between teams. You can't just simply end up with a sort of scaled set of, uh, of squads and tribes and assume that everyone's going to play nicely and, and there's going to be no, no extra effort. Um, similarly, on the, on the um, architecture side, you can't simply scale the teams and 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 have monolithic systems. So, the natural way to go is to go for a microservices um, architecture. Again, solves a lot of problems that you can have concurrent development streams. You can work on things in isolation, but again, you've, you've got the, that extra orchestration between the between the services the same way as you have between the teams. Um, in our case, you've also then got the global presence side of things because we're looking to go global with what we do. So. We then have to shift from UK office hours support to potentially 24-7, regional hosting. I mean, the, the, the list just goes on and on, to be honest. It's um, it, it's a really nice challenge to have. It's obviously better to be looking at mm. this way than be thinking, oh, well, it's it's just same old, same old, and, and we're just adding a small number of customers. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's definitely a game changer when you've got to think of it on this level. As that list grows, and you obviously talked there about a couple of different disciplines and different areas of the business, how tricky is it to make sure that inadvertently you don't create silos yeah well i think um communication really communication and culture um certainly is key uh, i mean our, our company values are, are trust teamwork and transparency um and, and we have buy-in for, for that right from the very top so it's something that our ceo is, is always really passionate about um I, th- I think trust in in the in the workplace is absolutely critical because if you if you don't have complete trust um, on all levels, then yeah, it, it makes it very difficult. And, and likewise, transparency as well. If, if you're not giving out that transparency, then you simply can't trust that what you're hearing is, is correct. And I mean, no one wants to really sort of lead with an iron fist. It, it should be the case that we're, we're allowing people to um, to grow and, and to work in their own space. And I think by by doing that and encouraging people to to really enjoy themselves and really have a culture of psychological safety, um, that should really promote the communication, whether it's good news, bad news, somewhere in between. Um, we just need everyone to be talking and, and making sure knowledge is being shared. And sorry, when you when you talk about encouraging a culture of psychological safety, specifically, what, what are we talking about there? <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it's easy. Um, it's easy for communication uh, to, to work around the business, whether it's on the same level or to, or to span different organization levels. Um, but I think that the, the, the key point about psychological safety is that you, everyone in the business needs to feel safe to be able to speak up and say, hang on, I'm, I actually don't agree with this. Um, it might be someone's manager that's asked them to do something or has put a, put a process change in place. Um, if there's no culture of psychological safety, people might just, they, they might be too scared to speak up and challenge it and they will just, just carry on blindly sort of moving forward. Uh, I think one of the key things at Trailight is we recognize that anyone on any level can really have a good idea. It doesn't matter if you're a junior, a graduate, a senior, a manager, um, everyone's opinion needs to be listened to. Um, and, and if anyone has some criticism of what we're doing, well, we, we really encourage everyone to speak up and, and try to foster that, that safe environment. Just to delve into this in a little more detail, because obviously it's one thing saying we encourage everyone to speak up, but I suppose you've got to create the structures and you've got to have the tools, et cetera, that, that enable people to feel comfortable doing that. And not everybody is the same. One person will, I suppose, 
feel comfortable using an anonymous survey. Someone else may not. How, how have you actually been able to put that in place so that it, it works? Yeah, so there there are different different channels, as you say, because different people have uh, have different levels of comfort. So I think the I mean the, the first thing that we do really is just work on sort of communication from from the top. So if if there's someone at the at, at the C level that is giving a, a company update, first of all, the key thing is making sure that um, we're all talking sort of on the same level. No one is talking down to anyone else because we're no better than the rest of the business, and in a lot of cases the the rest of the business know a hell of a lot more than than we do in our position because they're they're doing the work day in day out. They're the experts in their field, so I, I think a lot of it really is just making sure that people are aware. Look, just just be confident, be yourself. You, we've hired you for a reason. Um, clearly, the nobody is bigger than a business. I'd say in any case, but I, I'm a firm believer that a business's strongest assets are their employees. Um, so I think just making sure people are confident in, in their own abilities um, and everyone understands the role that they play and the role that their peers are playing really um, is what we've tried to make sure sort of a, as, as a foundation. Um, and then after that, as you say, it's about making sure that there are um, potentially anonymous feedback channels or just um, promoting in retrospectives that that um, people should be speaking up. And, and I think really just highlighting um, there are things that we don't know. So I think as as senior individuals in a business, we need to make ourselves, we, we need to highlight our own weaknesses because that promotes other people to, to not be scared of um, of showing their own. So you talked earlier about breaking down mon- monoliths and, 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 and breaking them down into microservices. Um, how, how challenging is that, I suppose? Because you you've been in the business for for a long time i suppose sometimes and this is absolutely no criticism it's just one of those things isn't it you, you, you know sometimes it can take a fresh pair of eyes to come into an organization and go all right hang on you need to change this and you need to do it in in, in new ways um it might be it might be difficult when you've been in the business for a long time to know exactly how best to break down some of that you you're, you're almost i i mean i've been in the same organization for 13 years i almost feel like i'm a piece of the legacy myself <laughs> at times so how, how have you gone about that both technically and also changing mindsets to make sure that kind of the technical work gets done in the way that it needs to be done yeah so i think the the first thing really is to get a good understanding of of why we actually want to change something because I think in in the early days when when you when you go in with a greenfield system, clearly there's a vision in mind, and the idea is that you want to be able to realise that vision as quickly as possible. So while with the best will in the world, it's always good to look longer term and think, well, what's beyond this vision? Um, you you obviously accrue a degree of technical debt, um, and hopefully that's with your eyes open, um, because you know that if you can go to market quicker you're going to realize more benefit. Um, so that is definitely what happened in in, in our case. Um, and we always knew that, be, that there would reach a point where we'd hit terminal velocity and we had to re-architect. So it's not come as a surprise to us. Um, I think with with COVID and the way things have worked out, obviously there's been a few distractions in, in how we've got to this point. Um, but the key thing is making sure that the whole business is aware this is the system as it works now. This is why we've done it this way. And it's put us to a really strong point. We're, we're really well recognized in the industry now. Um, and in hindsight, we're perfectly happy with what we've done to get to this point. Mm-hmm. And I think from that point forward, it, it's then really saying, well, look, these are the challenges that we've got. We want to scale the team. We know already that if we do that, there are areas of the system that we simply cannot have more than 
X developers or X testers looking at at any one time because you just lose that efficiency. So what we start to do then is look at bounded contexts and work out and say, well, look, if we're if this area of the system changes more frequently than these other areas, then that is a good candidate to actually break that up because then you can have a, a separate release release pipeline and separate a separate code base. We can look at basically go down the polyglot route as well. It could be a case that there's there's a different language that is well suited for that one particular area of the of the system. So many different factors there to look at that just give you that flexibility to break things up and and really sort of target and, and hone in on on what makes sense for that smaller area of the system. So, so you, sorry, go on. No, no, I was, I was just going to say, so you, you mentioned that uh, you're obviously looking to grow the team. Uh, but you also mentioned there's a number of different locations. Where Whereabouts is this team going to be based? Is, is that is that a question you've been able to answer given given the kind of the, I suppose, the the moving parts and, and the... Uh, so many organizations who aren't necessarily sure how the future looks from from a physical versus a virtual working environment yeah so uh, as a business we we've always liked the the idea that we do have the majority of people in the office in york because we, we've got a, a very sort of it's almost like a family i would say to be honest everyone gets on really well and, it, and it's good to be able to sort of look at people um actually see them in person have meetings in person um but we've also all, always recognized that actually People do need the flexibility. There are times when they need to work from home because you've got to get the right work-life balance. And obviously, if we're being very draconian and forcing people to come into the office, it is a limiting factor. So if you take COVID and what's gone on now, um, I think we've had quite a smooth transition, really, to the enforced working from home. So while we're definitely looking forward to having the option of having people back in the office, we, we completely recognize that the, the sheer amount of, of scale that we're going to go through our offices aren't big enough to have everyone in at the same time. So we're fully on board with the fact that we're going to have flexible working patterns in terms of in the office and remote. Um, if there are some people that would prefer more time in the office, great. If there are more people mm. that want to spend more time working remotely, there's absolutely no reason why we can't do that. We're, we're primarily cloud-based anyway, so there's no, there is no dependency on the office infrastructure. So... The the net is cast a little bit wider. You'd, you'd love them to be able to get to York, but they don't have to be there all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have we have sort of monthly um, sort of social gatherings and that sort of thing. And, and historically, they've always been actually in York. But now clearly, um, w- with the, the way that the world has changed for so many of us, uh, we need to review, well, are there things that we should be doing where we can still have that social interaction, but recognize that there will be some of us within the company that aren't... Um, sort of close to york so it doesn't work for them so mm. yeah i mean we, we'll absolutely address that if i'm being honest we're not quite there yet with with what we're going to do but it, it's on radar that we need to do something with that I, and you're certainly not alone i think every organization is trying to work out exactly how how they're going to do this going forward um obviously we've talked there about a family um the last the last question where you've got a family and you've got all those structures um i suppose it it does encourage people to feel like they can make mistakes they can fail how important is it do you think for an organization like yours to be able to accept that failing early does happen and it happens regularly yeah i mean i'm a, I'm a huge advocate of um of failing often and failing early to be honest i think the the amount that you can actually learn either as an individual or as a business from failing early um it, it far outweighs succeeding slowly for example because you you can just immediately adapt um, so I think on on so many levels, whether it's on 
on the product development level. Um, if, if you sat there as a developer and you you're not engaging with the with the customer or with the proxy customer, depending on how you set up, um, you can go down the the wrong route and end up developing something that is just not fit for purpose. Where if you get that that fast feedback and get it wrong, well, yeah, that that, that should be embraced and you can really move forward and make sure that you you learn from why it was a failure and and make the changes. And we're we're looking to apply the same thing on the on the strategic level as well. We, we we want to encourage everyone to to just go out there and try new things, be innovative, make suggestions. We want to fail on on some of these things as we scale, so that we we can we can then use the the data that comes from that, the feedback that comes from that, to then slightly tweak and, and adjust. And if we have to make bigger changes, so be it. Um, yeah, we just we just need that that early failure. Well, look, it's great to hear a little bit about what you're trying to do going forward. Also, a little bit about the culture. So, I really appreciate you giving up some time and talking to us today, Chris. And uh, your newborn, very well behaved. Didn't hear a thing. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, first time for everything. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. It was good. Uh, good talking to you. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Where to start? Let's start with psychological safety. Mm. Psychological safety was that a, was that a term that you'd heard before? No, it's it's when I first heard it on the interview, I thought it was very like Call of Duty esque, like really? psychological. Yeah, I don't know, it's just psychological safety. I don't know. I mean, it's got nothing to do with Call of Duty, but yeah, just uh, <laughs> just, just kind of looked like it, uh, which was yeah, which was jokes. Um, but yeah, psychological safety. I I can't. I like it though. I like it. Um, as you know, a concept, it yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter kind of what rank officer you are, so to speak. Um, you know, you everyone's everyone's got a say, and everyone's kind of opinion is valued, and 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 that's how they're going to be moving. Which is how it should be. And people might say, but you don't need to say it's psychological safety to have trust and transparency. But sometimes it's useful to say, no, there's this thing, and and we really believe in it because if you if you give it a name, and then you can mm. give it a you can give it a process and you can give it actions and you can say this is what we're going to do and and it's important that that people everyone feels safe to speak up and mm. say i don't agree with this as he mm. points out you know and anyone can have a good idea so they want to encourage criticism i think that's really important because and and the point that i'd probably drive at this is really important because they they are going from a position of being a fairly lean fairly agile fairly small company to rapidly mm. expanding and if they don't codify stuff like this they could lose it along the way 100% and also i think with organizations that grow at that speed and at that nature people that have been there from day 1 suddenly you know whether or not it's an intentional thing suddenly become very um you know, kind of very influential within the business and, mm. you know, people that are then starting two, three, four, five years from those, you know, men and women can sometimes feel, oh, actually, you know, he's been there or she's been there from, you know, day dot since, you know, you, you've got it since they were operating out of a garage and, you know, mm. since they were, you know, not the, the kind of brand that they are now. So that person, if he or she says something, that should then be, you know, automatically taken as gospel, and we must abide by it. Whereas, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's a really that's a really interesting point. I had a conversation with a guy um, a few years ago who worked at Apple, um, and it was after Steve Jobs had died, 
but there were people who'd worked with Steve Jobs mm. sat around meeting room tables. Mm. And it was almost like they were evoking the ghost of Steve and you couldn't talk against them because mm. they'd been at the company when Steve mm. Jobs had been at the company. Yeah. And there is a slight kind of culture of, oh, well, that person was here in that era and therefore it's difficult to speak out against them, which yeah. is not very healthy. Yeah, 100%. And then it comes down to a load of different things like age and experience and, you know, that sort of stuff, right? Um, and even we've seen it in our organization where someone that just walks in through a door, been there for three days, you know, they could have the best idea that, you know, six of you that have been here for circa four, five, six years have not been able to get the answer to, you know, and, yeah. and you've been thinking about something for about a couple of weeks and someone comes in three days in, because actually, why don't you look at it from that? And that's why we keep saying it, a diverse workforce or, you know, a changing workforce is always good for businesses, right? Otherwise, you get kind of stagnant and, um, yeah, don't really go anywhere, in my opinion. I like that he talks a lot about um, the need to... And, and the communication, I suppose, is what follows from this, but the need to avoid silos. So it's easy as an early business to focus on dev and test, but you get to a point where you're scaling, you need to think about squads and tribes and the orchestration between teams uh, and the fact that, you know, microservices is the, is the natural way to avoid a monolithic architecture. Again, it's that understanding that you, you, your culture, whether you like it or not, is going to change as you mm. get bigger. And having the structures in place to allow that evolution to happen to allow the you know to 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 make sense of why communication is so important to an organization i, I think they've put the building blocks in not the building blocks they've got the foundations in place to allow them to scale and still to retain the best parts of who they are but changes an organization at the same time yeah and i think i think the biggest thing out of that is is adapting um there's 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 obviously being able to there's also being able to change and, and kind of rapidly grow. Mm. And that's done by revenue, by people, geographic locations, products, whatever. But I think it's it's once once you've got the kind of workforce there and actually having people that adapt to the change and how they react to the change, I think that's what boosts organizations and, and kind of gets mm -hmm. them um gets them more productive, you know, more successful. Um, and in this case, you know, will allow them to, to kind of um, really hone in their, their kind of skills on various parts of not just the, the software dev cycle or the technology part, but, you know, also the products and, and, and the kind of sales and that, and that sort of thing that they offer as well. Yeah. Well, look, Chris, thank you for being our guest. Obviously, we've talked about the fact they're expanding, so we'll include some links to the pages where they are recruiting. Um, but we will take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to give you the perfect excuse to turn off your camera, should you wish, during Zoom calls. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear, Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They've started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the high-low movement. 
Right, this is an article in Huffington Post. This is the perfect excuse to turn off your camera during Zoom calls. Sick of staring at your own face. Sorry, sick of staring at your own face, rather. Tell people you're saving the planet. This is new research that suggests that leaving your camera off can reduce your carbon footprint on Zoom or Teams or Google Hangout by as much as, have a guess, have a guess, Kish, how much percentage-wise can it reduce your carbon footprint by? 15. Would that be quite high? I think so, yeah. I would say, yeah. Okay, 96%. Bloody hell. Wow, 96%. The study conducted by researchers from Purdue, Yale, um, uh, MIT, found just one hour of video conferencing or streaming emits around 150 to 1,000 grams of carbon dioxide. For context, a gallon of petrol burned from a car emits around 8,887 grams. But considering how many video calls the world is partaking in right now, it all adds up. I mean, that's staggering. That is massive. I'm, I'm thinking of switching my camera off now, mate, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, to be fair, uh, given everything that we're saying here, I can't actually see you, so if you want to, because I'm reading the article. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because wow. we're in this world where we're told that we should turn our cameras on, and I totally agree with it, and I understand why. Mm. But then you read something like that, um, as well as recommending turning your camera off, the research also suggests streaming content in standard rather than HD, whilst using platforms such as Netflix, is estimated to reduce your carbon emissions by as much as 86%. You know, we're all looking for little ways to be slightly kinder to the planet obviously see spiracies out of the weekend lots of people saying you should never eat fish ever again and stuff like that mm. it's quite drastic stuff that people might find quite difficult to adapt their their life by however mm. switching from hd to sd 86 percent better on the planet but will people do it because they well, want to I see stuff what, in, in hd right yeah i wonder what that's going to do to all these uh to the likes of samsung sony lg you know, they're ultra HD, 4K TVs. <laughs> you know, everyone go back to the old school plasmas. <laughs> get get your picture tubes in. Blimey. I didn't get that. And do you know what? It makes me feel a bit bad, right? Because I was complaining over the weekend. I was watching um, some stuff online. And I was saying how even though, you know, I've got a pretty nice TV and, and Netflix or that sort of thing, I was like, oh, you know, the, the, the quality isn't clear enough. You know, I need it. I need it sharper. You know, I need I need to, to have it. Oh, a mate, little I, bit, I, would, I wouldn't feel bad. I watch everything in HD. Given the, I had no idea it was, yeah. it was that big a difference. I mean, you want a nice, clear, crisp picture, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And also when you're watching things on YouTube, I'm always, I'm the guy that clicks on the three buttons to find out if there's a higher resolution <laughs> like possible and then go to the highest one. You know, not mm. even 1080p, the 1440 or whatever it is, but like... Our phones shooting HD, 4K, yeah. whatever else. Wow. I, I mean, yeah, that's crazy. But also a lot of organizations have now made it mandatory, haven't they? Well, you know, when the, the kind of pandemic first kind of happened switch to say your, that all camera on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was actually like a, it was more of an unwritten rule um, or just a, you know, kind of a, a gentleman's rule, so to speak, to, to always well, say, look, cameras. If you don't on. want to, mate, I'm being socially conscious. I'm saving mm. the planet. So should you. Mm. <laughs> and also it's, it's a very good way to end the meetings very quickly so i might <laughs> i might no, keep that in my going on yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah i'm very sorry uh yeah. i think it's time that we all thought about the planet instead of yeah uh, <laughs> i only budgeted for 20 minutes of, uh, of seeing <laughs> everyone now now you're going hey, over 
<laughs> we're joking. Maybe, maybe some organized. Look, we. Uh, I was reading an article the other week. Um, some recommendations. Uh, this is actually going to go up on the Harvey Nash Group website. An article that was uh, written by Chris Merriman. Organizations who were suggesting that they were using um, sustainable and green uh, uh, search engines instead of Google. Uh, making sure that emails weren't kept on something like Mimecast, but actually they deleted all their all their previous emails because, of course, data center usage takes up uh, footprint time on in terms of carbon emissions, mm. uh, switching off their routers at night, mm. all sorts of just small tweaks that will dial down the impact that an organization has. Yeah, massive, massive. And also massive office blocks as well, right? Like in the city. Mm. You know, you, you oh, wonder Christ, if... That kind that you see lights on. When yeah you know no one's in them oh yeah i mean you know but sometimes it's a it's a good thing when you're when you're stumbling home in the early hours of the morning and you're kind of like look looking out of one eye going right where whereabouts in the city am i oh right more yeah. gate, okay um but yeah i mean you know if 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 you know those kind of buildings or, or offices kind of adopted that you'd yeah, yeah. you know it'd be crazy to see kind of where um where our kind of carbon emission or where our pollution levels go um you know but that's I'm, definitely I'm gonna... food for thought I'm going to start saying that this is a, a an ethical, ethically green podcast because it's audio only, and we're not asking people to watch a video as well. There oh. you go. We're a green podcast. I like that. I like that. <laughs> but, right, but, look, yeah. who's the thought? Who's the thought? <laughs> um, and with that, we'll 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 turn off our cameras and say goodbye. And a key yeah. thank you for joining me on today's show. No worries. Cheers.